As we all know, it all starts up front in the NFL. We're going to check in on two separate lists of offensive line rankings in the NFL. Which teams put together the best and worst offensive lines in the NFL heading into the 2022 season? And the guys they're blocking for, maybe some running backs on the move. We've got a retirement of James White as well. Let's check in on the late camp running back market as well. Coming up on today's Peacock and Williams. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson at Edie Peacock at Williamson NFL on Twitter. Thanks for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Day. We've got some offensive line rankings to break down, and uh, Brandon Thorne is one of uh, my favorites when it comes to offensive lines, trench warfare, uh, newsletter. I love reading that one. And uh, we'll check in with the ESPN rankings as well to see how those correlate at the top and the bottom, especially, Matt. But first, uh, some news with running backs in the NFL. And there's a potential trade market here. If a team needs a running back, I think they can go shopping and find one. One that will not be playing this year, though, is James White, the longtime Patriot, third down back, prototype, third down type of running back. Uh, you know, a very team-oriented player, which is the Patriot way. You know, he just has fit right in there so long, has announced his retirement. So he's done after a nice NFL career. Yeah, and really good career. Yeah, I mean, I think he's an easy guy to overlook, and probably 10 years from now we're not going to be talking about James White a whole heck of a lot. But um, he had some big moments and huge games, including Super Bowls, uh, one of Brady's most reliable allies for many years. And, you know, he was a full-time running back at Wisconsin that kind of – he was a good receiver, obviously, coming out of school, but Wisconsin's not known for throwing to backs. And he kind of transformed, you know, his, his way of staying in the league by becoming a great receiving back. Never had less than 40 catches in a season, which is kind of surprising. Mm-hmm. And his best year, 87 receptions for 751 and seven touchdowns. That's slot receiver numbers for uh for a running back so james white hanging him up and here's what's surprising is there's another story going on because we, we talked earlier this week is, is josh mcdaniels bringing that committee backfield to las vegas and maybe now that now that he's gone maybe the new england patriots are getting rid of the running back by committee because according to albert breer he believes the patriots could entertain the idea of trading damian harris who's going into his contract year which would open the door wide open now for the Ramondre Stevenson show in New England. Yeah, I didn't expect White to be back. I mean, he's got injuries and things, so I didn't know that he'd played this year. But Harris, I mean, well, we both know they they drafted two running backs, including Pierre Strong, who I think both of us are excited about. There's a more of a big play guy, you know, a hit hit the hole and go speedster, a little smaller. Um, you mentioned off the air, you know, you always thought he was a, a Shanahan type, which I 100% agree with. Yeah, um, absolutely. He, he can get yeah. wide. He's got that 4-3 speed. I think nobody had um, big play. I, I can't remember how many yards it is that's technically a big play run, but nobody had more big play runs in college football last year than Pierre Strong. Yeah, yeah, and that's the way he profiles to the league. And they, You know, if they are entertaining trading Harris, they've been in camp long enough to look at the two young guys and probably say, these guys are good. These guys are keepers. We got to make some roster space for them. You know, you mentioned Harris is a free agent after the year. He scored a ton of touchdowns, and I think some people might 
overvalue him because they look at it through a fantasy lens. But I would rather play against Damian Harris than I would Ramondre Stevenson. I, I think Stevenson's the better talent. I think he's lower to the ground. I think he's got lighter feet. So Stevenson and Strong, that's not so bad, you know, and boy, it'd be great for fantasy if you could actually look at a Patriots back for the first time ever and say, wow, <laughs> he's clearly the lead guy, you know? Yeah, and there would be, you know, Pierre Strong, there would be Ty Montgomery, who they brought in as, you know, to give you a little bit yeah. of a change up and a, and a receiving type back. J.J. Taylor's got some speed there as well. Kevin Harris, the sixth rounder to go with Pierre Strong, the fourth rounder. So they would still have some depth if they did move on from Damian Harris. I want, I don't know what the price would be, but clearly uh, if they did that, they're, they're telling us they don't want to pay him in the offseason anyway. So at mm-hmm. some point it's going to be Ramondre Stevenson's job, whether he's 1B this year before he becomes the starter next year. Well, I'm not sure, but um, really liked how he finished the season last year for sure for the Patriots. Oh yeah, yeah, and he's flashed ever ever since he was you know his first rookie preseason. Stevenson, I'm talking about, right? I, I think he's a lot more talented than people want to give him credit for. Maybe. And then uh, clearly there was the the Kareem Hunt request for trade mm-hmm. this week or last week, and. It sounds like the the Browns are saying no for now, but uh, you know you get the feeling the Browns are get, are going to be doing something pretty soon with their with their roster just because quarterback and now that running back situation. You have a star running back already on the roster. Is it worth paying Kareem Hunt if someone does come calling? So we'll see. Or if if you have a quarterback problem, what's the best thing to to remedy that? We'll have a hell of a running game and have that two headed monster that they've continued to to have. So. Um, we'll see if anything happens with Kareem Hunt, but he could potentially be available. Um, Ronald Jones now from The Athletic reporting that they believe Ronald Jones needs to have a strong preseason and could be a trade candidate, so he could be available for trade, has never taken control of of any of his running back jobs in his NFL career. And uh, I think the 49ers have a, a roster crunch at running back, and I've talked about how they drafted two running backs last year, then another third-round running back this year. Trey Sermon is someone that I'm sure some teams had high on their draft boards last year when the 49ers snatched him up in the third round. Could they flip him for a, a day-three pick at the end of camp if everyone stays healthy because they've got a lot of bodies there? So uh, I think there's absolutely an opportunity for some running back movement here as we approach the regular season. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. And uh, we kind of touched on Josh Jacobs. I mean, he's another one that they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. I, my bet is Raiders medical folks have kind of held him together. You know, I mean, he's taken a beating over the years, but they drafted Zamir White. Um, your Niners dra- drafted Tyrion Davis-Price. The Browns drafted a, a back as well and also have Dearness Johnson. So uh, all of a sudden, Hunt, Jacobs, um, maybe even a, a, who's the big back in Buffalo? I can't remember the younger guy. You, you know, oh, I can't um, Moss. Moss, Zach Moss, yeah, Zach Moss. You know, like Zach Moss and Sermon didn't look, haven't really worked out. They even had high moments like Harris and Jacobs and Hunt, but they could be on the move. You know, like all of a sudden we just listed five, six backs. I mean, I even heard Melvin Gordon's on a lock for making the Broncos and he's fighting some kind of injury. You mentioned Ronald Jones, Pacheco's look good by all accounts. And so the problem is who wants a running back? <laughs> you know, I, because I, it's you sit here in August and think, oh man, we got too many running backs. All of a sudden, week three, oh no, we don't have any running backs because they're right, all hurt. Right. So exactly. it's, it's not a bad thing to have too many running backs going into the season. Exactly. And I think some teams, unfortunately, will have a guy go down in the next couple of weeks or the next month or two, and then they'll call these four or five teams and see what the best deal is possibly, or 
one of those four or five teams loses their starter and then uh, over in trouble. But I can't see like Atlanta or Houston, you know, a a bottom dweller saying we're going to give up a pick for Kareem Hunt or Josh Jacobs right now and just run him in the ground and then not really be part of the future. Could be a fun one. Could be a fun one here, uh-huh. and especially with that extra bit of time. Do you know what the timing is with final rosters? Is it right after that third preseason game? Because it used to be right yes. after the fourth preseason game because there's that extra week now buffering between the third preseason game and the regular season. Is there enough time there where, you know, because, you know, idle hands, if you give front office people 10 extra days, there might be a lot of trades in that time, you know, and so maybe, you know, this could happen, you know, any of these trades could happen before or after the 53 man rosters are set too. It doesn't mean you have to do the trade before the 53, but for some teams, I'm sure they're, they would like to trade a guy away first so they can keep an extra player that they wanted to uh, not have to put through waivers or something. That's a great call because I'm almost certain what I do know is remember there used to be first wave of cuts, second wave of cuts. Well, that's a thing of the past, which never made sense to me because Example, I'm sitting here in Latrobe at Steeler Camp, and I could give you 15 to 20 guys that I'm going to go see in an hour that aren't going to make this team. So why not cut them now and let the linebacker coach, running back coach, tight end coach deal with the players he might actually be coaching? <laughs> you know what I mean? As opposed yeah. to the try-hard guys trying to make a last-ditch effort to get the coach's attention. Anyway, and plus those guys might hook on somewhere else. I mean, at least, you know, it adds the free agent pool or they end up in the CFL or whatever. But I'm almost certain Labor Day weekend when the games end. Oh, no, it's not Labor Day weekend this year. As soon as week three ends, I think it's the following Monday or Tuesday is official cutdown day. And you're probably right. I mean, all that extra time, like if I'm the 53rd guy on my team, I would not feel safe until I dressed for week one. Because a lot of guys are going to get cut. You're going to be the first cut. Like, I made the team. Let's have a party. You know, you get a call an hour later. Like, yeah, we picked up Kareem Hunt. You're out. You know, or whatever, you know. That's a good conversation when we preview these uh, preseason games, the preseason openers for almost every team in the league. Uh, The Jaguars and the Raiders have already played in the Hall of Fame game, but it doesn't quite count. Uh, we will, uh, we'll we'll talk about that because I'm interested to hear how the Steelers are planning to do it because there's – I think more more room for teams to figure out how this three preseason game schedule should go, when to play starters, when to not, who to rest, because they used to all have it down in the fourth preseason game. The, all of the scrubs played, right? And you're fighting right. for the final spot in the roster and the starters tune up was game three, but now you have less games. So how's that going to work? And so uh, got some insight there. We'll, we'll get into some of that stuff tomorrow, but I want to get into this offensive line stuff. Whoever the best and worst offensive lines in the NFL, it's pretty darn darn important. We'll get to that next, but first, I want to let the folks out there know about the newest flavors at Built.com. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Delicious, indulgent bars that taste delicious, high in protein, but low in calorie and low in sugar. Pina Colada, the latest flavor at Built.com to go with the cookie dough chunk puffs, which are fantastic, light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, And, of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. And there is the Peanut Butter Lover's Bundle, which is what I'm all about. The traditional peanut butter flavor and the peanut butter brownie flavor of Built. And, again, all of them covered in 100% real chocolate, all of them high in protein, low in calorie, and low in sugar. All the joys of eating a fantastic treat, but it's healthy for you. You feel good about reaching for Built Bars rather than some other terrible-for-you snacks. So don't even... 
tempt yourself. Get rid of all those bad for you snacks and all of your secret hiding places and replace them with built bars to keep you powered through the rest of your day with all of that protein. All you got to do is go to built.com and you can get 15% off with our promo code. That is promo code locked 15 for 15% off of your order. Again, that is promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, Matt. Uh, just a big shout out to Brandon Thorne, who does fantastic yeah, work yeah. when it comes to offensive and defensive linemen and uh, the work in the trenches, trench warfare. Brandon Thorne, check out him on Twitter. Check out all of his work. I believe he does some work with uh, with Evan Silva's crew over there at um, Establish the Run. Yeah, Establish the Run. Yeah, right. Yeah. Do a lot of fantasy stuff as well, and it's pretty important for your fantasy leagues to know which backs are running behind the best offensive line so i want to start with just the the top and bottom tiers as brandon thorne has them ranked then we'll go to the spn side and and sort of cross check that and uh when it comes to tier one offensive lines in the nfl there is only two of them and it is number one the philadelphia eagles and number two the kansas city chiefs i 100 agree um i want to preface this a couple things just because we don't talk a ton of o-line here it's not as flashy of course and I will say Brandon, to me, is the media O-line guru. That's all he does, you know, and, and is line play, defensive, especially offensive. I urge everyone to look into his service. It's wonderful. He sends you an email once a week or so during the season, plus all, all throughout the offseason, draft stuff as well. So his is just based off of tape and study, where ESPN put out a list and – I'll be honest. I don't like their list as much as I like Brandon. So if you can go, go compare these two, I mean, I, I, you're on your own on that. But theirs is a little more analytically based because Seth Walder compiled this one. He's their head of analytics, from what I understand. And they did things like, you know, your 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 win pass block win rate, you know, run block win rate from last year, which are great tools. And they predict them. So, again, this is more analytically based on the ESPN side. And the last thing I want to throw you before we really start digging into the individual teams, more and more, I believe that if I were building an offensive line, you know, in, in the NFL right now, and I had $100 to build my offensive line, I would try to get 20, 20, 20, 20, 20. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need right. Walter Jones and then my right guard is me and you. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't want to hold. Yeah, you're explaining the San Francisco 49ers offensive line right now. I'm a little bit worried about the interior yeah, right. tackle in the game at uh, in Trent Williams at left tackle, and you know it, they ended up with a sort of a, a middle of the road ranking. And you know some of those young players could develop; they could have a great line, but then you could be, have some problems blocking for a young quarterback as well, which is not great. So that that's one of the big storylines, especially something to watch in the preseason as far as the 49ers go. But teams with good offensive lines, I'm seeing here, it's it's no surprise because they put resources into it. And you look yeah, at both right. these teams, the Eagles and the Chiefs, and the Eagles already have a really good center in Jason Kelsey. What they do? They spend a second-round pick on Cam Jurgens to have the next great center. You know, in their franchise, they got first rounders, Lane Johnson. They got uh, they spent a first rounder on a left tackle that didn't work out, but somehow developed a where, where was Jordan Mailata drafted? Was he even drafted at all? He was a sixth or a seventh. Remember, he was like a 380 pound rugby player, I think, yeah. in Australia or somewhere like that. I mean, he was a gift from the gods. I mean, I really think that he's one of the best left tackles in the league and he's still learning. I mean, he's a remarkable athlete. He's kind of like the Haloti Nada of left tackles. And so yeah. 
we've seen some teams try to do that and go the rugby route and draft high level athletes mm -hmm. and try to develop them. And it hasn't worked out a lot, but this was a home run by the Eagles here with Jordan Mylotta at left tackle, Landon Dickerson, a high draft pick at left guard. You got Kelsey at center backing him up the second rounder this year, Cam Jurgens. Um, you got uh, Isaac Semalo at right guard, and then Lane Jan Johnson, who's been there forever at, at right tackle and been one of the best in the league. And, you know, they had Jason Peters for a long time. They tried to 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 draft and develop Andre Dillard as a first-rounder. That didn't quite work out, but they put resources in it. They care about it. That's why they have the best offensive line in the league, according yeah. to a lot of them. And Brooks is the other one. They had the guard for a lot of years. Yes. He was the highest paid guard in the league, and then injuries derailed his career. So even when bad things happen to them, like Brooks getting, you know, not lasting there as long or Dillard missing in the first round, they just attack it and attack it. And one thing I think is noteworthy, and, and I, you know, Brandon mentions it in his rankings, is he always cites the, the offensive line coach for each team. And I'm sure I've said this, but if I were an owner of a team or a head coach of a team, my first hire after head coach would be an O-line coach. And I would give them anything they wanted. Like, I mean, it always brings it back to Steelers. But when Munchak was here versus the guys since then, night and day. You know, like, it, give me a great O-line coach and I'll pay him anything he wants. It's funny you bring up the Steelers. More on them in just a second. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you, and you, you you hear those names. You hear, like, you know, Howard Mudd forever was, like, the offensive mm -hmm. line coach, Mike Munchak. There's those guys you hear about them and they coach in the league forever because they're invaluable. Invaluable, right? I mean, again, I don't mean to talk all Steelers because their line's a mess right now, but Munchak used to take undrafted free agents like B.J. Finney and Chris Hubbard and Alejandro Villanueva and Ramon Foster and routinely turn them into NFL starters. I mean, that's like the best gift you could ever give a franchise. You don't even have to draft O linemen. Just give me a bunch of bums off the street and I'll turn them into starters. Like, that's remarkable. The Chiefs are an interesting one. Speaking yes. of resources, because they're trying to figure out how many dollars to throw at their left tackle in Orlando Brown, who's uh, they 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 dropped the franchise tag on this year. They paid big money in free agency for left guard Joe Tooney from the Patriots. They hit a home run with their center Creed Humphrey. For some reason, teams didn't want to draft the left-handed center, which I don't know if that makes a difference at all, but. Patrick Mahomes seems to not care about it, and they ended up with maybe the best center in the league all of a sudden out of nowhere for the Chiefs, Trey Smith. At right guard, uh, Andrew Wiley is, is is probably the only one that's not necessarily a household name or going to be a household name as far as offensive linemen go. None, no offensive linemen are really household names, but sure. uh, it's a really good if group. There's a weak there's a lot of money around them, and they all, they all play at a high level. So I look at, like, the Bears, and the reason I bring up the Bears is I think they have one of the worst O-lines in the league. But they also have the most cap space in the league after the season and probably some high picks. So if by chance – they decide to totally rebuild an offensive line. The Chiefs are proof that you can, you know, use a first-round pick and move down a little at Orlando Brown. Make Tooney a high-priced guard. Use a second-round pick on a center, which you, any year you're going to find a good center in the second round. It might not be Creed Humphrey, one of the best in the league. And then they hit a home run, too, in the fifth or sixth round with, with Trey Smith. And hopefully his medical stuff doesn't shorten his career. He would have been a second or third-round pick, too. But they have some other options there as well. So if your line's a disaster and you have some resources, the Chiefs show the world, hey, if you try hard enough, you can rebuild it pretty quick. You can do it really quick. You can, yeah. you can fix four out of five of your spots in one afternoon. Right. One right. full swoop. Boom. Done. Yeah. 
uh, it's funny that you mentioned the Steelers and the Bears now because let's go to the bottom of it. And you got to check. Okay. I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to spoil tiers two through five on Brandon Thorne's list. You're going to have to find him on Twitter at Brandon Thorne NFL. Find his trench warfare and um and 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 find that work for yourself. But uh, I do want to talk about the bottom of the list because number thirty two, the worst offensive line in the league, according to. Brandon is your Pittsburgh Steelers and 31. The only two teams in the bottom tier are the Bears and the Steelers at 31 and 32. Yeah. And the Bears are even talking about Tevin Jenkins being on the trade block. You know, he hasn't worked out. That was a first round pick not long ago. Um, you know, the Bears at least added Michael Schofield and Riley Reef. And I know those guys aren't exactly, you know, John Hanna and Walter Jones, but they've been around the league and they've started games. I mean, I used to look at the Bears O-line and be like, man, I hardly know some of these guys. They're counting on fifth-round picks and Cody Whitehair and a bunch of people I barely know. So I still think they are a bottom-tier line. The Steelers is very questionable, too. I mean, I think their guard play will be fine. The tackles are questionable. The center play is questionable. Hasn't been pretty thus far in camp. I do expect it to be a little better than last year. I don't know that I'd put them last, but they would be in the bottom five. I mean, there's some bad lines out there. I find it fascinating that the Bears let go of James Daniels, didn't want to re-sign him. He signed with the Steelers, and they still have a better offensive line than the Steelers. I don't know that they do, but James Daniels was one of my favorite signings. He has struggled since being here. We'll see when the games come on, but um, there are a couple lines out there, Atlanta, Seattle. I think the Raiders might have the worst line in the league too. Like I love their offense, but Leatherwood at right tackle and, you know, Andre James. I mean, there, there's some pretty bad ones out there. So again, I love Thorne's work. I'm trying not to take it personally at the Steelers with 32, but I would probably have like six teams in the bottom tier, including Pittsburgh. Yeah, it is tough to to separate those bottom two from looking at some of the tier five teams, including those Raiders, and it is hard to, to separate them because they're all kind of bad. Uh, I do want to say one thing about the Bears line, and I saw a Bears fan or a Bears analyst, I'm not sure which, recently on on Twitter because the um, the Green Bay Packers have been lauded for their draft picks uh, of some mid round offensive linemen. And it looks like Zach Tom might start for them at mm-hmm. at right tackle. Um, because Bakhtiari's out and they've moved some players around and he might start for them and they're getting applauded for it. Yeah, good job. That's awesome. Uh, the 49ers, Spencer Burford, fourth round pick out of UTSA. It looks like he's going to start at right guard. It's like, hey, good job. These teams did yeah. so awesome with their offensive lines. And then the Bears have rookie fifth rounder Braxton Jones, who's probably going to win the job and start at left tackle. And people are like crushing him because they got a terrible <laughs> offensive line. So you, right. you do have to start to give them a little bit of credit. Maybe they did find a gem in the fifth rounder uh, Braxton Jones because it's looking like Tevin Jenkins is not that for them. Yeah, right. And the Bears didn't have a first round pick, too. You know, I mean, maybe they would have taken the tackle in the first round if they hadn't traded up for fields. And, you know, so you can't fix everything in one day. Everyone wants to blame the Bears. You didn't draft any receivers. You didn't draft any offensive linemen. Well, they added two guys in the secondary they liked. I mean, it wasn't like their secondary was, you know, awesome before this. And you're right. I mean, I, I think there's some value in starting somebody like James, you know, a fifth round pick. And as I mentioned, you know, if we're just going to focus on the Bears, they have tons of cap space. So they played this fifth, fifth round pick. Steelers did that with Dan Moore, a fourth round pick last year. If they're good enough, you have cheap labor to keep position for the next four or five years or whatever. 
If not, you have the resources to go fix it. So, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, but if one of those mid-round picks hits for any of those teams, that's gold. Absolutely gold. And and you're right, man. It's it's so important. I look at the offensive line as a unit. And yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't have a swinging gate on one side and somebody amazing on the other side because you're, you're still going to have a rough time on offense, although it isn't very nice having an awesome left tackle. So uh, yeah, sure. how good can you be across your line? How good can you make your weakest link on the offensive line? That's where the coaching comes in. You know, if you have just just give me some smart, tough guys and a good coach and you can patch together a pretty good offensive line. Even if you have some injuries or um, you're, you're missing on a couple of spots, you, you can't fill that in. No doubt. I mean, maybe the biggest thing I learned in my year of, in the NFL, and this is such a Ravens theory, by the way, I like their line. If you're tough and you're smart and you have at least the baseline athleticism, it's really hard to pull those offensive linemen out of the game and they last forever. You know, they don't have to be pretty, but they're tough and they're smart and they can do enough athletically. Coaches adore those guys. And back to my theory of having five C plus B minus guys, as opposed to an A and a D every defensive front that you look at in the league has more than one dude. And most of them have three, you know, like, they're going to put somebody good over your bad guy every snap. You know, I mean, it's not like Aaron Donald and nobody else on a on defensive line nowadays. Everybody has a couple dudes. Let's check in on the ESPN list next and just run through it really quickly, the analytically driven list, and, and see where your favorite teams stack up there. I do want to thank everybody once again for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen. For your second listen, make – Fantasy Locked On Fantasy Football podcast, that second listen. Find the intellectual fantasy expert, Vinny Iyer, who brings over 20 years of NFL expertise in a unique angle to give you the moves no one else has. Get ready for your fantasy draft in 2022 with Locked On Fantasy Football. And if you're doing the dino thing, find Matt Williamson and the, the Locked On Dynasty podcast as well, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. ESPN list has Kansas City number one in their rankings. Uh, number one in pass block predicted. They're just they're projecting what they will be this year. Projected number one pass blocking unit. Projected number five run blocking unit is the Kansas City Chiefs. They've got the Eagles, who are number one for Thorne at number three, uh, the seventh best pass blocking unit and the third best run blocking unit. But they got the Green Bay Packers in there. Uh, in between at number two with the fourth best pass blocking unit and the second best run block unit, but that's projecting David Bakhtiari back. And I'm not sure if that's going to happen for him this year. And by the way, has also got some injuries. So it's a good thing. They had drafted well on the offensive line to to plug some of those holes in the meantime, or maybe long-term. I I initially looked at green Bay two and said, really? I mean, I would have the Eagles one, but they have the Eagles three. So I'm not going to be hard on ESPN for that, but they do have an asterisk next to green Bay. And they say, Note the asterisks above, because this ranking is working under an extremely precarious assumption of health of both Bakhtiari and Jenkins. Okay, if you're going to just assume that those two are fine, I would have them very high as well. That's a very big assumption. Yeah, and those are two really good players, too. Yeah, of course. They're the best two guys, right? Elton Jenkins is an interesting player. He could literally start at five offensive line positions. for just How valuable is that? That's amazing. Yeah, I would love to see a guy like that hit free agency, which he could. And how much would people spend on him? I mean, you could, it's, a, it's somebody that everyone, every team in the league would have interest in. And ironically, Zach Tom might be the one starting in his place 
And he's kind of that same prospect where he yeah. was, you know, you don't see center tackle flexibility very often. No, he was a tackle at Wake, but he's only 6'4", and he doesn't have extremely long arms. But he's not a masher as like a pure guard, but he's smart, so maybe he's a center. Probably in Green Bay, he'll do all the above. You know, they just have a great track record of, the, of, of heart, you know, cultivating those guys. All right, we'll run through these quick. Stop me if you want to talk about one of these lines. Number four is the Denver Broncos. You mentioned before you like the Ravens line. They've got them ranked fifth at ESPN with the sixth best pass blocking unit and the eighth best run blocking unit. Uh, Arizona Cardinals coming in at number six. Washington too high Man- for me. Too high for the Cardinals? I might just throw in a sentence here and there as we go through them. I yeah. think that's too high for me on Arizona. I'm not buying I like that. it. Uh, by old. the way, going back to the back to the Ravens, uh, have we heard what's going on with Ronnie Stanley? Everything great there with the, with no, the I don't think everything's great. I think he's one of the most pivotal players in the league. Uh, I mean, if, if people don't know the Ronnie Stanley story, they signed – he's a great player. They signed him to a huge contract. The next day against the Steelers, or the next week against Steelers, rips up his ankle and has really never played since or never been close to the same. That was a long time ago. And I think he's one of the most pivotal players in the league that no one's talking about. I'm looking at it right now. He has not returned yet, but apparently in in the last day or so, he had an Instagram post where he hinted at his potential return very soon. So I'm sure. Hopefully he's the same because he's not going to be worth the money if he isn't, you know. Right. So that's a little hairy. It's a big yeah, I think Linderbaum's banged up too. Yeah, Linderbaum did suffer a, a training camp injury. I'm not sure exactly how severe that one mm-hmm. is. Um, but yeah, so that's a that's a volatile the, the Packers and the Ravens definitely volatile offensive lines as far as these rankings go. Uh back to number seven was the Washington Commanders, which feels a little high looking at their list. They've got Andrew Norwell, who's you know, big money free agent, Charles Leno, Trey Turner, who's bounced around to a few teams now, Chase Roulier, uh Cornelius Lucas. That doesn't sound like an, a top 10 offensive line to me. They're ranked number one as a run blocking unit, middle of the road as a pass blocking unit, though. So, yeah. One note on them is I, I would have them a little lower, and I would certainly have them behind the Browns, who are eight on this list. But Brandon notes that Norwell and Turner, their projected guards, had their most success with this line coach who was Carolina's line coach when those two were doing really well. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. It's a good little insight, you know, very interesting. The Cleveland Browns, I would thought would have been a lot higher here. They're the, they're uh, the projected number two pass blocking unit, but all the way down at the 21, 21st ranked, run blocking in it, which is odd. So Jedrick Wills, Joel Batonio, Nick Harris, Wyatt Teller, Jack Conklin. That, that sounds like a better line than uh, than Washington, no matter who the O-line coach is. But maybe 100%. Not. I mean, I know Treader's not there, but they're high on Harris, who they've groomed for that job. That didn't pass the sniff test for me. That's a tw- that's a second-best pass-blocking team, but the 21st-best run-blocking team. Have you seen the holes that Chubb's been running through? And, you know, <laughs> they haven't had a problem running the ball. Oh, no. no. I don't understand that one. That doesn't pass a sniff test for me. Uh, J.C. Treader, by the way, still a free agent, hasn't signed, but I know he's been very vocal about uh, off-season workouts, and I think he doesn't want to be in a training camp and put extra stress on his body mm-hmm. because he's the type of guy that doesn't practice a lot during the week but hasn't missed a game somehow. So we'll see if somebody ends up signing him late in camp. But uh, there's still a starting caliber center out there on the market with J.C. Treader. We'll see what happens yeah. there. Yeah, but that's all about medical, I assume. Right. Uh, here's another one that that 
I think most people, when you think of offensive lines, they would say, oh, Indianapolis Colts probably have to have at least a top five, top three offensive line uh, in the NFL. But they're down here at number nine here, uh, eighth ranked pass blocking unit, 12th ranked run blocking unit, even with the best guard in the league in Quentin Nelson. They're looking for a left tackle. You know, that's either going to be Pryor or Raymond, the rookie. So there's a little bit of uncertainty there. And the one guard spot, Danny Pinter, is fine, not great. So I think maybe this line's going backwards a little, but they would be right around nine-ish for me, too. I don't have a problem with that. Sneaky good offensive line with the New England Patriots. We talked about who might be running behind that offensive line, but you've got Trent Brown back now. He's going to be at left tackle with Isaiah Wynn. Had flipped over to the right side. Cole Strange, the first-round pick at left guard. David Andrews at center. Mike Nguyenu at right guard. That's pretty solid. Very solid. And I think that might be their best position group on the whole team. I think clearly it is, even losing Shaq Mason. Um, But it's funny because this is the exact thing you're talking about, where you spend 20% on each position kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, they're and all good. It's not like one star guy. Uh, you know, you do have a first rounder there, but you're not paying a first rounder as much as you might have been paying Joe Tooney, right? If, yeah, if you get yeah. him in free agency. So, interesting way to build the line. And it's the way I would like to go about doing it if I was doing it. So, we've crushed the Patriots in their roster building, but good job on the offensive line. Yeah. And if you were to kill him for Cole Strange, fine. But they traded down and took him at the end of round one. If that would have been the 33rd pick in the draft and not officially a first rounder, nobody would have had a problem. You know, exactly. he'll be fine. He's going to be a good player. So here's the big one we're seeing between no Brandon Thorne's list and the ASPN list. Chicago Bears all the way up at number 11. I think this list loses a little bit of credibility with that. I mean, like, there's not really even a good player on the line. They were bad last year. Are they so much better now with Schofield and Reef, who I mentioned earlier? I just don't understand this ranking at all. Apparently, the... Um... The analytics love Larry Borum, who's the the right tackle. Last year posted a 90% pass block win rate in 10 games, 21st among offensive tackles in the league. And Lucas Patrick, the center, should be an asset in the ground game, they say, after ranking third in run block win rate among centers last season with the Packers. So there you go. Maybe a sneaky better offensive than people expect in Chicago. I'm, I'm not so sure. Yeah, I'm not either, but hey, if Patrick Borum and Jones, the fifth-round pick that you mentioned earlier, are all C-plus, B-minuses, the Bears are in, in nice shape. You know, that'd be great for them. A few more highlights here from the ESPN list. Number 12, Los Angeles Rams, the reigning Super Bowl champions, lost big wit Andrew Whitworth at left tackle. They got Joe Noteboom over there this year. Um, going down the list a little bit, Carolina Panthers with their rookie left tackle, Ekwanu, who isn't guaranteed to win the job, I, I think you know he will, but they're sure. they're you know they're 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 holding off on the uh, on the crowning of him as the left tackle just yet in Carolina, according to reports. You've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Real quick on Carolina, I think yeah. they're the most improved line in the league. So Ekwanu comes in at left tackle. Bozeman's a new center. Corbett's a new guard. Their offense was so abysmal that I think now they're a middle-of-the-road O-line where they might have been the worst O-line in the league last year. I mean, new, capable quarterback and three-fifths of your offensive line better right, right. is a pretty good start. And maybe that was the That was what was wrong with the team. 100%. So kudos to them. I think their defense is good. McCaffrey can give you 17 games. They're going to be in the hunt. Sneaky sleeper team. Nobody's high on the Panthers, but maybe they should be a little higher on the Panthers. This agreed, week. agreed. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they lost their center, Ryan Jensen. They got Robert Hainsey in there, but they did 
uh, replaced the right guard with Shaq Mason, Werfs, Donovan Smith, Luke Gottke, the rookie, uh, might be able to jump in there at left guard. So a lot of changes. Key being strong up the middle, a lot of changes, and still a pretty decent offensive line for ranking all the way down at 15. And Werfs is just an utter superstar. And I don't, I don't quite understand the Shaq Mason, how they got him as cheap as they did. I'm sure they'll be just fine. They'll make Gedke and Hainsey work. But a lot of change. You don't want a lot of change in front of Tom Brady. You mentioned the Niners. They're middle of the road here, 16. Mm-hmm. they got a star left tackle and some question marks and some development to do with the rest of their line. The Buffalo Bills coming in at 17. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals, 18. Dallas Cowboys, 19, which is uh, one of the lower rankings they've had in a while. Still have Zach Martin and Tyrone Smith at the back nine of their career. Tyler Smith plugs in there. Tyler Biotish, Terrence Steele at right tackle. Not terrible. I mean, the, these no. teams don't think are bad shape in this range. If Tyron Smith and Zach Martin hang, you know, continue to hold up and still play like the Hall of Famers, I think they are. And Tyler Smith doesn't have a holding penalty every other time. You know, I, I think they'll be just fine. But there's not a lot of depth there, you know. Uh, it's all about the first rounders in yeah. New York with the Giants. They're at 20 here. Andrew Thomas really came on at left tackle last year in the their first rounder. This year, Evan Neal at right tackle. Uh, New Orleans Saints plugging in a new left tackle, Trevor Penning, to go with uh, what's been a pretty darn good offensive line there. And so if that can – I mean, that that's a line that could be a lot better than their 21 ranking compared – or depending on what happens with their rookie at left tackle. Minnesota Vikings at 22. Real quick on the Saints. I, yeah. I think the Saints should be much higher already. I don't love Trevor Penning, but we, we just lauded the Eagles for using all kinds of early picks on offensive linemen. The Saints did that all during Drew Brees' career. You know, ran, all these guys are early picks. Penning, Pete, McCoy, Ruez, Ramchak. You know, I know they lost Armstead, but they really put resources into their offensive line. Yeah, Penning really likes to to tussle and, to, and tug yeah. and uh, maybe play after the whistle. Let's hope he's, he's not gaining a lot of uh, penalty flags there because that would be rough on him. Cesar Ruiz, I thought was going to be a great player. He's kind of been good, sure, but not yeah. great for them. At right guard, but McCoy's good at center. Ramchek, obviously, and Andrews Pete. So, still a solid offensive line there. Christian Darisaw, uh, his development is huge for the Minnesota Vikings. They're at 22. 23 is way too low, by the way. Yeah, Los Angeles Chargers. They plug in first-rounder Zion Johnson, who I love. They've already got Rashawn Slater, who was awesome last year, left tackle as a rookie. Corey Lindsley, big money center, free agent. I've got – like, they could potentially have three stars there um, on their offensive line. they got Matt Feller at left tackle, and Storm Norton looks like the starter at right tackle. That's the question. Yeah, I still like this better than most. I like this a lot, but – this one kind of goes against my theory of 20%, 20%, 20%. They have one hole, and it's right tackle. But if I have one hole, and it's right tackle, I can help that guy almost every snap. You know what I mean? If it's just one spot that my other guys I trust to no end, you can scheme around that pretty well. New York Jets, Mekhi Becton now gone for the year. They spent money on Lake and Tomlinson, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, a high draft pick, George Fant. Connor McGovern, this 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 line could go a lot of directions, and it worries mm-hmm. me a little bit. But they should be good at guard, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, they, their guards look great. We'll see at the tackles. Twenty five is Miami Dolphins, even with the big signing of Teron Armstead and some of the higher picks they've had recently. Brought in Connor Williams as well from the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they Detroit may have line. been the worst league in their line in the league though last year. Yeah, yeah, they needed some they help. Needed the help. And they've added some help. Yeah. Detroit Lions at 26. I mean, you've That's got Rag now and Penny Sewell and Taylor Decker. This is a good offensive line. 
this is a top five offensive line, maybe top three. I mean, I think this is a great one. Taylor Decker is one of the only names people probably know. He might be the weak link. Jonah Jackson is a great young player. Ragnow's a great young player. Sewell's going to be a star. I love this group. A little more love for your Steelers here. Uh, after the Titans at 27, got the Steelers 28, Raiders 29, Seahawks, Falcons, and the Jaguars in the caboose, according to ESPN at 32. I don't know that I have the Jags last. I mean, I mentioned there's four or five bottom tier O lines. I would have the Jags a little ahead of that. I mean, they added Brandon Schreff, and their, their, their tackles aren't terrible. So, I mean, let's give the Jags a little break. Health is important. Some of these teams, yeah. they're just barely hanging on by a thread because you got one kind of good player that you feel good about, and if he goes down, it's like, oh, my gosh, what's where's this line going to be? So uh, some work to do for some teams, and um, it's very nice for your quarterback, for your offensive coordinator, for your running backs if you've got a good offensive line, and, and there's clearly oh, yeah. some some haves and have-nots in the NFL this year in that and, and we opened the show with here's – Four, five, eight running backs you could get on the cheap that are on the move. Well, if you need a tackle, you're out of luck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you need even like even like a solid backup guard, and you're out of luck. Right, you're out of luck. Mm-hmm. And there's one center in the market, Treader, and he's injured. Right. You know, like yeah. you'll never find a tackle in 100 years. The other guys, you might find someone that doesn't stink. Matt and I back tomorrow previewing some real actual, semi-real actual football preseason week number one and then we'll break down all the action on monday that we saw from thursday friday saturday and sunday nfl football is back and we've got you covered talk to you then right here peacock and williamson